0: I've never, like, met someone who didn't want to have sex with me. <laughs> like, it always came oh. up in some... I mean, I thought you hated me when I met you. I was like, this bitch. <laughs> oh, she shit. Let's shit. talk about
1: that. Because
2: they're straight, aren't they?
1: I feel they are straight. Like, this dude, literally, that was my roommate, had a whole-ass girlfriend. And, then, and you like, guys
2: still did it? Oh, my God. Damn. <laughs> <I'm> sorry, <laughs> oh God. Like,
0: the moment was... I was in the shower and I like every like the, you know the tunnel opened up. It wasn't black anymore. And I like looked down and all over my arms and all over my legs, blood was just pouring down me.
1: Not understand how much of a community there is in recovery and how many resources there is and, and right. just how much help there is out there and a judgment free zone. Absolutely. You know, I really thought I was the only motherfucker putting pills on my nose.
2: Is it judgment free though, Ronnie? Cause you be. Judging the fuck out of me. Sometimes.
1: <laughs> we sober now, baby. Yeah. We don't do no more drugs and no more alcohol. No, that's right. We is live and in motherfucking color, all the way from Arizona. We got my boy Kel, and a very very special guest, Tony. We made it happen, hey. baby. Hi. How you feeling, Tony? How you feeling? Um,
0: I'm feeling definitely like sober and alive. So.
1: Mostly grateful.
0: Glad to be here. Honored to be on your show. So, there's
1: that. <laughs> Sober in a lab, baby. That's right. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Um, I mean, it's just... <laughs> what do you think,
2: Ronnie?
0: <laughs> just kind of my life right now, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I uh, sobriety is a little annoying sometimes for me, right? Because I got to deal with everything, like, head to head. And I was used to numbing all that shit out for years, so... Sometimes sobriety can be hard, so
0: Absolutely. That's
1: why I ask. That's why I ask because I know uh, sobriety ain't all peaches and cream all the time. As we know, I feel like all three of us here know that it ain't super peaches and cream, right? That's right. And we gonna talk more about that. But b- here b- as we b- before
2: we start, how are you feeling though? Because I heard you were sick. Me? Yes.
0: Um. So I actually wasn't sick. There was just like a COVID scare. Um, oh. so I had to like, obviously like take all the precautions and go and get a test and drive around town everywhere to see if I could get home ones, but no, it actually came back negative. So I just had a headache from dehydration.
2: <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. COVID no joke. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. It's been pretty scary. So
2: what do you think about yeah. COVID Ronnie?
1: I mean, at this point, I think it's unfortunately become a norm, right? Like I recently, like a few weeks ago, went to a sponsor meetup. So my sponsor does this thing where we meet up all once a month and have a dinner. And we were all there. And then I received a text message from this dude there that was like, Hey, uh, just so you know, i tested positive for COVID. So you might want to check that out. And that was during the holidays. So I was a little upset because I hadn't seen my little brother and sister for a long time and I didn't want to jeopardize that. So I talked to my sponsor, I vented to him and he was like, well, at the same time, you have to take some form of accountability at this point. Like that's just the norm that we're living in. So if you decided to come to that get together, you have to accept the fact that you're putting yourself at risk. And And I was a little upset. And what if you
2: do get COVID and what if someone does get COVID? They're going to have to tell everybody just in case, you know what I mean? Yeah. What do you think about that?
0: I don't know. I think it's like that unwanted phone call, like when like a past lover calls and they're like, "Hey, I've got chlamydia. You should go get tested." Yeah, that's (laughs) what I was saying. That's what I was saying. (laughs) It's just like the dreaded phone call that nobody wants to hear, and it's inconvenient. Um, I mean, we all put ourselves at risk naturally. Um, I noticed, like specifically in Arizona, we're kind of like a "don't give a fuck" state which is also a reason why I like it so much. But, you know, everyone is still out there living their lives, so it's just a reality we have to deal with.
1: Yeah, we really do just have to like almost expect it now. Like I recently saw on Facebook, so when I used to drink in the clubs, I used to be like in the gay scene (laughs) and I used to think I was a shit with all the gays. There's this club called Carambas. Anyway, (laughs) this guy, I would party with him a lot. He's like my age and he fucking died of COVID. Oh. Um, and like oh, yeah. I I guess I'm a, I'm I'm a guess so I'm a little naive or whatever. So like it just like really hit me. I'm like, this shit's like getting so real. It's like spiking almost more than it did in the beginning. And I feel over time people that gave a fuck less. Um and me included, honestly. Like I convinced that I could never get COVID, this and that. Um <laughs> but clearly that's a possibility. And a, a um, real
2: possibility, huh? Because oh, cool. dog like I hear people that have vac- the vac- vac- vaccines I can't even talk right I hear people that have the vaccines are getting COVID still
1: yeah I mean yeah like I guess from what I understand it's like even if you're boosted and vaccinated like you can still get COVID it's just the, the symptoms that you get from the disease or whatever it is mm-hmm. sorry I'm so bad about that, <laughs> um, aren't as like powerful like it don't hit you as as the same as it would if you weren't vaccinated or boosted oh by the
2: way we're not doctors so what Ronnie's saying you know what I'm saying please don't listen to me (laughs) please don't listen to me for any (laughs) medical advice I'm the worst I will
1: google google a symptom Um. and fall into a rabbit hole thinking that I'm about to die so please don't follow my advice that's uh, another
0: unfortunate reality we live in (laughs) be trusting google too much
1: yeah, that's, that's the world we live in, that online shit. And we still down, we still down over here. But anyway, Tony, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having I me. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I met you like uh, maybe a few months ago and I really fell in love with you. Like you're, cause I was telling Kel um, before, like I have this thing with like, with gay guys. I don't know what it is. Like I have like this insecurity that limits me or like it's, uh, I don't really have a lot of gay friends because of the few experiences I've had with gay friends usually uh, result in negative experiences. Right. Um, so for me, when it's more organic, I'm able to like make friends more. Like I, I told them like I really like you because you're you're just you're just a chill ass dude,
2: <laughs> and um, and I like that.
1: Did I hear something?
2: Yeah, I heard something too. Oh, Did something oh. hang up?
0: no there is a honk outside my window oh. sorry i have the window okay. open it's like hot as fuck in here and um you know
1: all that caffeine doesn't right. help yeah i'm like wired right now uh, anyway I, I appreciate you and we can maybe get into that a little bit uh later yeah. as far as how the gay thing because you know we're 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 all three gay in here
0: oh wow uh camping hey. t- <laughs> 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 did you hear that yeah.
2: I'm just like, okay. <laughs> right. like, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm so happy. Just... Yeah, I'm happy. All right. <laughs> <I'm just kidding.
1: laughs> good. Um, okay, so we do just expect the unexpected because we're pretty bold. We're going to go into the lightning round. Ready? Lightning round. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I heard y'all do your research too, so... I'm just expecting you. are a little that. elusive,
2: though. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. You're a little elusive on that. Yeah, I, I, I didn't find that much, just a couple of things that I want to bring up, okay, you know what I'm saying? cool,
0: I'm excited. Um, I try to keep it that way. I mean, at this stage in your sobriety and your age, you know, you just kind of try to keep it low-key. You don't want people um, perceiving you a certain way anymore, so <laughs> i tried really hard to be that elusive.
2: Good. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, Carrie. Uh-huh.
1: Yes. All, All right, right, first
2: one. Yeah, you go first, Ronnie, go ahead. Top or bottom?
0: Um, bottom, but first in the right situation.
2: Mm, okay.
0: Um, it's probably just a sexual preference that I'm used to. Um, being feminine, you're kind of um, unintentionally like forced into that. People, like when you're super submissive, just in your natural state, not even in a sexual state. So I think it's just more of a comfort level, like I know what to expect. There have definitely been times when I wasn't and it wasn't unenjoyable, but it's just not something I go for. Like I don't like being dominating in the bedroom unless I have to be.
1: Oh my God, I need to get into that
2: later. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no, I, Favorite yeah, song like, right now.
0: <laughs> uh, favorite song right now. You know, this is like gonna sound so silly, but it's always one song and my girl, Rihanna, We Found Love. Like, I never get tired of that song, and it takes me back to good times, to bad times. It gives me hope. It gives me sadness. It's just, like, my go-to for everything. So it's my forever favorite song.
2: Hell yeah. Oh, yeah Hell yeah. Okay, so favorite drink. Um.
0: Hmm. So right now I'm getting down on these, like, things called Liquid IV. <laughs> I don't know if you...
2: Liquid been- IV?
0: Liquid IV. Um, hmm. And so it's, like, a drink mix that you pour into your water. Um, my sister just introduced them to me. But because I am, like, a fucking coffee bitch, I don't, like, drink a lot of water like I should. Um, they're supposed to be, like, the equivalent of three bottles of water, and they taste really good. So I'm, like, smashing those like crazy.
1: <laughs> Ooh, okay. What about vapes or cigs? What about what? Vapes or cigarettes?
0: Um I vape now, but I smoke and like I'm a, a casual smoker, I guess. Um I only smoke too when I'm like stuck in traffic here in the valley and I'm just like Ugh, just want a cigarette. <laughs> so I swear to lot looking for that lighter. <laughs> Not a cute so
1: thing. You.
2: Favorite show right now?
0: Um hmm, euphoria, but who isn't watching that? Ooh.
2: <laughs> oh that's like, a good one I, I i i was watching that last night oh
0: yeah
1: it's
2: intense yeah. It, that it, show
1: is just so i i i hardly watch tv by the way i just can't sit down and watch tv it's really hard but something like euphoria has so many freaking layers to it like it's amazing i love how the characters i'm sorry i'm about to get off track but i just gotta shout out Euphoria <laughs> because they have a fucking transgender woman who has a relationship with a girl, right? They have this dude that's like not necessarily sure of his orientation, but he's like this football player, and he's, he's like a psycho himself, and he's crazy. And then his dad be fucking all the kids, <laughs> and, and like it's just a crazy ass show. And then it has the blues, the drugs, the the cool ass drug dealer that reminds me of my drug dealer. <clears throat> it's just ah, uh, I fucking love that show. Okay, sorry. Favorite? Did we ask you what your favorite food? Your favorite food?
0: Uh my favorite food is not eating food. <laughs> um, I hate having to pick food, but uh, when I do, like right now, I'm just like a uh, bean burrito, like a bean and cheese burrito is my go-to right now because I love it. I don't know.
2: Uh, oh yeah! Hell
0: yeah! I'm about that. I life. like
2: wabos. What? I like wabos. Have you heard of wabos? Oh hell
0: no. <laughs> Why
1: <What> that? <laughs> Favorite Disney character?
0: Um Maleficent. Hands down.
1: Ooh, she was ooh, always my bitch. Lord. So Yes. Okay. Okay. Spit a swallow. <laughs> um, <laughs> heat of the moment. <laughs> I don't really know how to answer Fair. that one. <laughs> Fair. 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 Uh, okay, well that's a that's a wrap for those fast ones. <laughs> anyway thank you again for coming by Uh stopping by chat, and i already feel like i already have a lot of questions that i want to ask you um well
2: well, first of all where are you from are you from arizona where where were you born
0: so i was born in michigan pontiac michigan but i my family moved out here when i was just over one years old i've lived in prescott valley almost my entire life so i'm from prescott
2: okay okay is there a lot of Drugs over there? or Oh, yeah. There's
0: definitely a lot of drugs.
1: Damn, Prescott. Is it Prescott or Prescott? It's... Prescott.
0: (laughs) So if you're an out-of-towner and you're, like, obviously reading the map, you're reading it as Prescott. But there's, like, this whole cowboy story behind why it's called Prescott, and it has to do with chewing tobacco and trying to pick up a lady. You know, you've got a fat dip in your mouth. You don't want to, like, spit all Mm. over them, so you're like... Prescott to hold it all in, so because if you pronounce the O, you're gonna spit it all out. So that's allegedly why it's called Prescott, and it's also just easier off the tongue, I guess. We're all just a bunch of mountain babies
1: up there. Yeah, that's like the whole vibe over there, right? Seems like very like conservative, like cowboys. That's yeah,
2: that's what I was thinking. That's that's what I was thinking when people live in that area. I feel like they're more conservative. Conservative, like you said.
1: Uh, very Trump vibes.
0: It was very safe <laughs> growing up. It was just like a very small mm. town, um, extremely underdeveloped. Uh, it was obviously a lot smaller, just like everywhere was. Um, but yeah, it was honestly just safer at the time. I think that uh, my grandparents lived down here in the valley, and they moved up north, and the and that's where it kind of all just spawned from. So. I really enjoyed growing up there as for like being Mm -hmm. a gay male. That wasn't always the easiest, but there were a lot of people who had it far worse than I did. So.
2: And, okay. So you said you're gay. Um, when, when did you first come out and how was that for you?
0: Um, I came out in seventh grade. I was 12. Um, and it was freeing. It just felt amazing to not have to deny or, whatever, like at least now you're kind of embracing what people are saying opposed to like hiding. Um, so it just felt extremely freeing.
2: Oh, what, um, was it hard growing up? Cause a, a lot of people tell me that, um, for some people it's hard growing up in school cause they, they used to get made fun of stuff like that. Was it like that for you or did you not care or Um, I mean, it was
0: definitely hard. I mean, but I was facing several things. I wasn't just gay. I was overweight. I had really bad acne. I was kind of a social outcast because of those things. Um, I didn't really have one group I stuck to. I just kind of floated around. Um, So I had a lot of other factors like influencing my, like, I don't know, growing pains, if you will. Um, But I, I, had inevitably became friends with a lot of well-known people obviously people who were like using drugs and alcohol um so in my teen years it kind of leveled out and instead of being a target I was more so just like like a legend if that makes sense like I was just (laughs) a well-known gay I was I had grown into my body um and people just like, they either put me on a really high pedestal or they still thought I was gay trash. But most people I won over because I'm funny.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> That's good. That's good. At least we embraced it. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's, that's badass, man. So you came out at 12 mm-hmm. and uh, for the most part, conservative town. Um, so they all received you well, ultimately, right? Like you said, like you were more so like a legend because it was small and you're most likely one of the few gay people, right? That were bold enough to just be out, right?
0: Uh, Yeah, definitely. But there was also like a a curtain of illusion too. Um, I started to just really migrate towards, I feel so weird saying it now, but I was like a total cross-dresser. And because of like being thin and my body type and I had really long black hair like, people didn't notice until they were, like, right up in my face. And then they were just, like, starstruck in awe because I was so good at it. Or they perceived me to be extremely beautiful. Or, like you just mm-hmm. said, they were, like, wow, you're just so bold to be that way in such a small town. And I was, like, mm-hmm. well, just got to do what's right for me.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's definitely bold. Especially, like, I don't know. I feel like when I was coming out as gay, like, even me being... um more feminine or into like different things and like my cousins it was always seen as like just fucking different and it was just such a different time yeah um what about your parents like were they concerned for your safety or were they um, were they uh, supportive
0: i think well i don't like my family was never not supportive i think there was mm. definitely like a little pushback at first um kind of adjusting to something they already knew my dad was not in the picture. He was away. And uh, I don't know, my mom just kind of like went with the flow. My mom was always really great. Um, and so was my Mimi. Like I, they were my cheerleaders essentially, because they just didn't care. It wasn't like forefront on their mind. So. Mm-hmm.
1: When you say your dad was away, uh, do you want to go in a little bit about that? Did he leave? Or was <laughs> he was in absence? prison. <laughs>
0: Same. Same. Um, so he was just <laughs> serving a really
1: extensive prison
0: sentence, um, mainly for property crime. Like, you have to understand that, like, that was a really small town. Yeah, County, like mm. I said, is a really drug infested, you know, you come for the rehab, you stay for the relapse, and that's the town slogan. Um, but, like, my dad is, like, he was considered, like, one of the people who got the town hooked up. <laughs> Ooh, um, holy shit! So, but he was very <laughs> elusive to the law, and so when they finally nailed him, like when they finally got him on something, they nailed him to the fucking wall. Um, yeah. That's so sad. what was a very small crime quickly stacked up, and the judge just hit him hard. So, yeah. That's some crazy <laughs> ass.
1: Shit. I know. Yeah. So, so what's your sobriety date? It's
0: December ninth,
1: twenty twenty
2: oh okay so almost it's gonna be two years this year right
0: uh if i make it to december god willing yeah it'll be my you will
2: don't worry you will (laughs) you will you got this
0: uh i just don't like to expect anything you know the unfortunate reality is like you can have one year sober you can have 15 years sober the risk of going back out is kind of always the same
2: and Mm -hmm. so talking about these drugs we are on the we sober now podcast so when did you first start um Doing drugs.
0: I'm um, around 12. I literally started every single thing you could think of when I was 12. Like I was rebellious. Ooh. I was doing alcohol, drugs. Um, I was having sex. I just started everything at 12. Damn. Yeah. it's my coming out year.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> it's
0: a good one, too. <laughs> um, but like I started with weed and, you know, it just kind of went from there my friend at the time was like my best friend at the time was two years older and she was from Tucson and so in her like our parents were similar in that sense like addicts or whatever and her mom was just like really involved in like the selling aspect Mm -hmm. so she was like very familiar with everything and she kind of guided me through it if that makes sense
2: I see I see and Messing with these drugs and and doing these drugs, did it ever get you in any kind of trouble, car accidents, anything like that?
0: So I've only been in one car accident, and I was uh, drunk at the time. But that was definitely because I just, like, was ignoring traffic. I obviously, like, I was impaired, but I was, like, Mm -hmm. emotionally distraught. I was leaving this guy's house, and, like, it did not go very well um so i was just kind of in an emotional rage if anything so i just didn't care about slowing down so i want to say it was more so like a a pussy attempt at the suicide so but as far as the law like i've never been in trouble with the law i have an absolutely clean rap sheet
2: oh that's good that's good hell yeah
1: that is good same me over to your two uh nathan makes fun of me all the time because he says i'm a baby at because I haven't gone to jail or prison or anything crazy. <laughs> but I still have gone through some crazy shit. I said, boy, I have gone through my own struggles. No kidding. I need to go to jail. <laughs> I've gone through an abusive relationship, got my ass beat, and suck a dick or two for some pills. Oh, so, like, I've <laughs> gone through my that. own shit. Yeah, that's you know? Roddy's
2: line, line right there. <laughs> suck a dick or two for some pills.
1: <laughs> it was, you know, it was those moments where, like, I, right, like, I didn't necessarily i have to go to jail or prison and i mean i still can right Right. i can still definitely relapse and i could still go there um but like i think everyone copes in their own way and i truly feel that everyone has their own journey and they go through their own dark moments some of my dark moments did include that fucked up relationship that i was in for five years because it was like i was in love i was doing drugs i was getting my ass beat and I, I lost all of the shit that I had gained at that age and, and saw it all go down the drain. So what are some dark moments for you that you experienced during your uh, addiction and alcoholism?
0: Um, I don't know, cause like looking back, it all seems like just a dark period. There were definitely very few spots of light within all that mm-hmm. darkness. But I mean, I've had several friends who like, really deep intimate friendships that just didn't work out. Um, the only like I've only like been in love with like three different men and all of that resulted in cheating with a female. So I definitely had to deal with coping, um, on a whole different level. Um, just feeling really insecure. Like if you asked specifically I could tell you a dark time, but it all was dark. There was hardly any light. Um breaking out windows to cars out of rage and jealousy um, uh, I abs- and you
2: never went to jail for stuff like that <laughs>
0: well I left, <laughs> I left the state for a few months and oh, I had met up with that guy later and I I paid him back for all of the damage I did um, okay. okay so I tried to make that amend there um, but like I was like a cutter I was anorexic and bulimic um, alcoholic dabbling my toes in drugs um bipolar so there were just so many things that affected like my situation Mm
2: -hmm. and what what um because there's always a moment for everyone that like wants to get sober because yeah people want to get sober right but there's always a moment that is like fuck i need to get clean like what what the fuck am i doing you know what i mean yeah do you have that moment or do you remember a moment like that
0: I mean yeah like that was ultimately why I'm here now. Um it was like through one like a 3-day blackout. I like when I went into detox, I like blew a point 4. Um Ooh. like I was just really yeah. high up there, but like the moment was I was in the shower and I like every like the, you know the tunnel opened up. It wasn't black anymore. And I, like, looked down, and all over my arms and all over my legs, blood was just pouring down me because I had, like, oh my God. cut myself all up like nobody's business. Oh and
2: Jesus.
0: I just, like, was in shock because I didn't know how I got to that point. And so I was just, like... Broken down, crying naked on my grandmother's floor because I was living with her, (laughs) and she like comes in and just sees me like dramatically on the floor and then just bawling. And I was blood (laughs) everywhere, blood just pouring down me. Oh
2: my god!
0: I was like, I think I need to go to rehab. (laughs) And she's like, Well, I don't think it's a bad idea. (laughs) And so that night, you know, I made it into detox, and shortly after, I went into rehab
2: and you've been clean ever since yeah or have you relapsed a couple times
0: no i haven't relapsed since the since that god honest moment um, i've been really working hard on myself because i mean i'm tired of this life i'm almost 30 i'm too old for this shit <laughs> like i've I've been doing it like all of my adolescent years i don't even know who i am without drugs and alcohol so
2: time to and focus have on you that. got and have you gotten clean before like this or is this like your first time getting clean like this?
0: So like the only time I got clean was shortly after of like breaking out that car's
2: windows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um
0: okay. because okay. I knew okay. if I got caught I would definitely, you know, legally be <laughs> in trouble. So I started going to AA instantly so that like if I got arrested I could be like, Alright, Your Honor, this is my first offense. Um but I'm in AA now. So like I realize yeah. <laughs> Um, so it was kind of more just to like cover my ass. It wasn't very sincere. Um, I made it four months and then I just like, fuck it, threw it out the window. Mm-hmm. So, Cause I didn't want to be sober. Um, I was just doing it for all the wrong reasons and I didn't enjoy being sober at that time. It just was like white knuckling. Um, and it's totally mm-hmm. different okay. now.
2: So now you, you feel like you really do want to be sober, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Cardigan. Sorry. I'm just like popping out here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've enjoyed, um, like obviously not every single moment of sobriety, but I have way more good days than bad. Um, mm-hmm. and then when I just think of all of the work I've put in, into myself, like one thing that changed my mind when I was in treatment, because we all have that moment where we, like, want to leave, right? We're three weeks in, and we're like, fuck this. I'm good. Like, yep. I can do this without yep. you. Fuck your rules. Yep. Um, so what one of the uh, BHTs or whatever he was, counselor, said to me was, like, what is 90 days out of the scheme of your life? And I was like, you're right. Like, it's fucking nothing. Like, 90 days in my whole lifespan is absolutely nothing. Um, it's not. not. So I stayed and I I did what I was supposed to do there and continued on. Like, I didn't want to move into an Oxford house when I did. Uh, My therapist was like, what, you're going to go home and do the exact same thing? And I was like, "Hmm, you're right. And then I got into Oxford and that completely changed my life. Um, Because I was breaking cycles at that point. I was no longer going back to things that crippled me. I was, you know, getting off the ground and I was running. So I've just continued
2: on with that. And how, how did you get into a house like that? Were you like, are you like, are you like, cause I don't know anything about this. Okay. And that's why I want to know more about, um, are, are you like homeless and then they offer you a home or like, do you have to go to like,
0: I mean, it just like, varies. Facilities? Um, Oxford house is for the addict or alcoholic who wants to stop and stay stopped so you can come from any background as long as you really want it um oxford has a bed for you so i was like i came from a facility but that's not everybody's story um it's not just a free ride it's not like okay you just pay your money weekly and then that's that like there's a lot that goes into it and oxford is really geared at um taking an addict who doesn't know how to live in the real world and teaching them all of those skills indirectly with just what they do like managing money holding yourself accountable showing up to things um (coughs) there's just a lot that goes into it that i don't think some people who aren't ready realize so it took me months to see like where i was at and what oxford was showing me but when i realized i was (coughs) like god i'm like so far down the road now
2: good that's good so that's good that they show you all those things because it's true some people just don't know how to be adults sometimes
1: right yeah i think that's been like the biggest thing for me like the biggest lesson (coughs) i've been trying to embrace in sobriety is that it's for me the way i take it it's just like honestly growing the fuck up like a lot of the things a lot of the reasons i didn't want to uh stay clean or get clean or stay sober was basically because i was scared of the world and i didn't want to pay bills i don't want to fucking own up to the bad shit i did like I just wanted to ignore all that noise. Oh yeah. <clears throat> and I think like I missed out, like I've gone to rehab a few times and they always encouraged me to go to a recovery home. But I always said, bitch, I got this. <laughs> I'll need to pay $500, $200, $80 <laughs> to go sleep with somebody I don't know. <laughs> but now I see, but now I see, um, cause you know, my partner works in Oxford House too. And I've seen the like super strong one fellowship that you guys have it's amazing like I still like wish I had that experience like um, getting sober and I've seen how involved and engaging you guys are within the houses like it requires you to be a part of and, and own up and stay accountable yeah. and like I know you mentioned um before you were kind of oh, uh, like when you were actively using or drinking or you know going through your thing um, those are things you weren't necessarily being a part of and now you have And now I know that you're going to be a leader in opening one of the very few, if not only, gay recovery homes uh, by Oxford House, right? Yeah, that's
0: correct.
2: Really?
1: That's that's badass. Talk about that. Um,
0: Damn, that's sick. (laughs) Thanks. Um, So it's definitely like a new project that Oxford is working on. Not that Oxford's not like all inclusive. Everyone can be a part of it. Um, but this is more so in my interpretation, I don't know if it's necessarily Oxford's, but for gay men in recovery, sometimes it's really intimidating. I know that every time I moved to a different house, I was afraid. And I mean, I know when you go into the rooms or even move into the house, people are like, Hey, this is a safe spot. We don't give a shit about who you are. We just want to know your story and help you. Um, but I know that, like, knowing that resource was out there would have made me a lot more comfortable. And then, when you look at, like, in our community, the gay community, um, the risk of HIV, STIs are so much higher um, because there's just a really big shame and self loathing in our community. So, to know that, like, not only do you have, like, that fellowship or whatever, but when you're ready to, like, really take a look at yourself like you can be safe and you can be supported and uh be loved by the community that you're a part of like i'm right there with you ronnie like i never really had um gay friends and i always felt really shunned by my community um and i and if i wasn't shunned i just didn't get along with them i mean i thought you fucking hated me when i met you i was like (laughs) oh let's talk about that (laughs) So Really? You thought so? Well, I think it's just that normal intimidation, you know, like, I don't know you. It's like, it's sometimes it's just really uncomfortable to get to know someone else because in a sense, you're like looking in a mirror, right? Like, and now mm-hmm. I'm sitting here and I'm realizing how much we actually do have in common. So, of course, I was intimidated because when I first met you, I was still, you know, however many days back. And that's intimidating. It's always hard to look into a mirror. So...
2: Was he being rude at all? God no. He's a little rude, <laughs> huh? <laughs> he's, he's, acting, he's acting too good. Huh? No, I totally, too good. <laughs> I totally relate that.
1: Uh, I totally relate to that though. Like I I've tried to like think like why is it that like I uh have trouble like maintaining uh gay friends and all I can attribute it is to my insecurities or like the bad experiences that I hold on to. Like I've just had Especially when uh, there was a time when I would come in and out of the rooms a lot and I would go to Lambda a lot. And it was hard for me to make friends because a lot of them were kind of mean to me, honestly. They judged me for like the time I had or either like what I didn't have as far as materialistic things went. And honestly, I just could never really relate to them at that level. Mm-hmm. The few gay friends that I've, I've been able to maintain I think have been organically brought up, like through my sponsor and we get to see each other at a different level rather than just on the outside. So that's why um, I've been able to make friends like that. But for the most part, I get along more with straight guys because I think it's because when I meet a straight guy, I know that for the most part, (laughs) they ain't trying to get their dick sucked by me. (laughs) Or, and and then, but, but again, that's happened. Um but oh, shit. they they don't, talk about they don't that. like <laughs> they don't try <laughs> to like you know I don't know they're not just that they're not as uh they just like really want to be my friend for the most yeah, part it's, and just, and like, it's not never a like a competition you know um yeah it's not yeah, a competition
2: that's what I was going to say cuz what I, my experience like going in school and all that I've seen gay people and it seems like they can't get along sometimes cuz they try to outshine each other you know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying I don't know if that makes sense well oh, that's absolutely. just me that's what I think
0: absolutely um my opinion on that is that it's just a defense mechanism I mean we face, so much rejection in our lives, like some are rejected by their family and then, you know, the general community or some just like don't get that love and that reception that they deserve. And so when you finally like feel that acceptance, you don't want to be threatened by anyone else. You don't want anyone to take away what you have. Um, It was always a defense mechanism for me because I definitely like walked around with my nose high up in the air, Um but I was afraid, like I was afraid and I was, scared that someone was going to see that I was actually extremely insecure um, or like I would have to confess all of my personal struggles or that they wouldn't relate or whatever. It's all, in my opinion, just to protect yourself.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I also, um, just because, you know, you you mentioned that, you're, that you guys are opening up a gay house. <clears throat> like, I, c- I think you guys are doing an amazing thing because... I remember like, I still, so it's like this thing I just have, I just, like you said, right? I carry a lot of shame as a gay guy and then going through addiction, there was another element of shame. Mm -hmm. So like sometimes even going, like when I would go to rehab again, there was always this fear of like, damn, like this straight guy's gonna think I wanna sleep with him or like, he's gonna think this or that because I'm gay. And it's like, I know if there was like a house supporting lgbt uh the lgbt community it would make it a little easier for me to just be like yeah i'd go to that one that way i could just grow into myself and then maybe later branch out i don't have to worry about uh because there are some rude ass stray guys oh yeah thinking that everybody wants <laughs> to sleep with their ass we don't <laughs> we don't um it's always the ugly motherfuckers too is that uh, what you that, think of me thing? you think i want to sleep with your ass <laughs> 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 no I, I fuck with you no it's just i that's one thing that i've been able to also embrace in sobriety is kind of being more aware and mindful of uh just like all of the shit that i have uh inside of me all those bad things that i carry and like those insecurities that that still fuck with me till this day so it's it's refreshing to hear from you tony that that you you know, th- through your addiction, those were things that you were kind of fighting against, right? You mentioned also something about uh, cutting yourself.
0: Yeah, definitely a stalker. Do you
2: mind
1: talking about that? Well, yeah.
2: what do you want to know? <laughs> uh, what, because um, I I don't understand. Why why do people cut themselves? What What made you want to cut yourself?
0: I mean, you know, uh, when you're growing up, you're exposed to so many things. Um, and we all we all get addicted to things that are like, to help us cope, right? Yeah. Um, so, in some sense, it's just like, I don't know. I started off do it just to do it because I was dramatic. Um, and then as I got older, it was just like an uncontrollable urge. Um, this last time around, um, I had, I've been you know, sexualized by so many people, which might sound like a little egotistical, but it's the (laughs) truth. Like my body's never belonged to me. Um, and that really fucks with you as a person. So this last time around, I was just so tired of being touched. I was tired of people looking at me, um, a certain type of way, obviously. And, It's like, who wants to drive a scratched-up Bentley, you know? So I just, like, took it out on myself so that people knew that I was damaged, that I wasn't just something to fuck with. Like, um, and in some sense, like, it's a vague reminder of how sick I was. And at the time, I would justify it, like, oh, people want to get tattoos. They permanently mark their skin with ink, and that's considered Mm -hmm. normal but I can't like cut myself and go through my own thing. You know, it's essentially the same concept. I'm splitting open my skin, it leaves a scar, I remember. Um, So yeah, it just comes from a place of like, for me, not knowing how to handle all of that anger. I definitely internalized a lot of it and I've taken so many things out on myself, so. Mm
2: -hmm. Does does it, does it give you like adrenaline when you do stuff like that or like how, What what's the feeling it gives you
0: it just it's nice to feel a different type of pain like you can take mm. what you're feeling up here and what you're feeling in here mm. and you can just channel it into one spot of your body you know and you can just process it that way like it's easier to deal with a physical wound than it is to deal with mental emotion and like that instability you feel from the world caving in on you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That, have you ever almost died doing that?
0: Um, no, I've definitely never taken it that far. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a classic like pill swallower when I want to kill myself. (laughs) Um, not that that's something to really brag about, but, uh, I don't know. Like I just, it was just more so for the feeling, like it was never to like actually kill myself. Um, like I said, there's also that little level of drama there. And
2: mm-hmm.
0: I'm, I'm addicted to drama too. Like so I love addicted.
2: drama too. <laughs> I be dramatic. The sure.
1: some stunt queens up in here. All right, sure. number, number one over here causing all the stunts. What were some? What were some ways that? What were some? Let me repeat myself, because I'm interested. What were some? Uh, resources or um, tools that you that you use to recover from the cutting or you know how were you able to manage that
0: um well to be completely honest it was something that like I struggled with even in the beginning of my sobriety. Mm-hmm. like I don't know if like <laughs> I'll get in trouble for saying this or not but when I first got out of recovery and I lived in Oxford um, i was working a normal job i was all, like i was working a normal job and i was working at uh, a recovery job and the pressure was so much that like one time i went home and i just took it all out on myself like i couldn't i couldn't deal and so now i'm like in extensive therapy and i'm really doing my shadow work and i'm also like working a program so and i i accepted that i can't do everything and that i shouldn't Mm -hmm. be focusing on that whatsoever because i think my priorities were really fucked up getting out of treatment because you know you just want to catch up on all that lost time or i did um Mm -hmm. and instead i'm like you know what if i work a bit if i work 20 hours a week and i make enough to make rent and feed myself like good that gives me time to focus on myself um So I just changed my priorities. And I mean, the thoughts are intrusive, definitely, when you're dealing with a lot of stress. But I don't have to live like that anymore. Um, I'm learning better coping mechanisms. And I'm not broken or damaged. Like, why would I want to do that to myself now?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. because I I, One of my questions was, is it difficult being sober, staying sober? Like, how, like what are your, some, some of your coping mechanisms?
0: Um, at this point, like I've done so much work in therapy, like I do a lot of writing in therapy, so I get to like really just let everything out. It's like a wave of emotion I get to get rid of. And then working for Oxford, you know, any time I've come close to a relapse or whatever, like the real world sets in. Um, someone will unfortunately pass away or someone will go to jail or someone will end up back in the program. Or, you know, I was thinking about relapsing and then my dad relapsed. And it was just like, every single time that happens, it's a reminder of like, no, this really could happen. Like, do you want to be back in that place? And so it's more so just like playing the tape forward and playing the tape backwards and seeing like how much I've done just in my life and myself, um, I'm, an, I'm investing in myself right now and I want to take care of that investment and I want it to grow and I want it to prosper. So doing anything that's counterproductive to that, I don't have time for.
2: That's good. That's good. What well, what are your goals? Um, well, what do you see yourself doing in the next five years? I and what are your, some of your goals?
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> as far as goals, I just keep them really small and minimal. Um, you know, I have financial goals, um, travel goals, things like that, things I've been putting off doing because of my addiction and um, being financially unstable from all of that. But I don't think five years ahead. (laughs) I refuse to think that far ahead. Like it, it doesn't do any good for me right now, because I can hardly focus on a month from now. Like I have these goals that I hope to accomplish. I'm not strict on dates and i'm not like forcing myself to do anything day by day so just yeah, going because i was gonna <laughs> say
2: yeah because i was gonna say on this podcast we be manifesting shit huh ronnie <laughs> <Show do>. <laughs> like <laughs> Show i'm do, telling baby. you shit that we say here usually happens
1: oh uh, well
0: i mean i just hope to be happy i mean i know that's a very cliche answer but I hope to be still doing service work. I have a, mm. a lot of things I want to do for my community, um, or for the community in general, um, LGBTQ+, plus, well, IA+, and then um, the recovery community. Um, and I don't know. I just don't know what I want to do. So I don't want to ma- manifest anything, because it it's like, what if I do, or I don't like it? <laughs> 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 that can
1: happen (laughs) (laughs) one
2: also one just don't overthink it that's all i'm gonna say don't overthink it just do what feels right you know what i'm saying
0: yeah i try to do that every day so i try to do the next best thing so if i can manifest that i'm about it
1: oh yeah hell yeah well i feel like you're definitely on the right track i mean you mentioned that you're doing therapy mentioned service Um, And I'm assuming you probably go to a few meetings here and there. Mm -hmm. What other things uh, help you maintain your sobriety, keep keep you on that loop?
0: Mm. I mean, I feel like that's pretty much it. Like, I hear all of the praise from my family and that feels really Mm -hmm. good. It feels really good to so much not let them down, but to not hurt them anymore. Like, to not put anyone through Mm. that pain. It also feels good to have a community and to know that you're loved and supported for who you are and not have to put up a front or hide from the world. Um, So what keeps me sober is just determination. I've wasted too much time and energy trying to chase all of these different highs. And now I want to know who I am. I wanna know what my passions are. I wanna know what I wanna manifest um mm-hmm. and so that's, that's what perfect. keeps me sober is just trying to find this path and really uh put faith back into the world because for a long time i didn't have any
2: mm-hmm.
1: so, now did you deal with because you mentioned that uh your your dad recently relapsed right yeah so i'm assuming you took that really hard is is addiction heavy in your family
0: yeah um i grew up in addiction um my mom and my dad were really young when they had my sisters and I. Like, my mom was 21 and had four kids. <laughs> um, and she's maintained sobriety for 25 years now. And my dad, on the other hand, just recently went back out, which is, like, really heartbreaking. I mean, but it is what it is. He's not ready. There's nothing I can tell him to make him ready. Um, Because you just are, or you are not. It's definitely harder on my sisters, but I also have to keep in mind that, like, he's sick in his addiction, and like, being through the program now has really almost, in a sense, like, geared me up for this tragedy in my family. But that's just how it is. And that's why I say, like, you're never too far off from a relapse. Like, you can always go back out, and it's that easy. Within a year, his whole life has changed, and it's really sad to see. But my dad and I have always had like a uh, an expiring relationship. like we have four hours that we're good, <laughs> and then after that, we're just like too much alike, so um he doesn't really care what I have to say, and I don't really have anything to say, so it's hard, but not heartbreaking. He knows the reality. I lead it out. You either live or you die or you go back in. so make a choice. <laughs>
2: hmm
1: and that's how simple it has to be sometimes mm-hmm. you know i feel like you from what i see i feel like you are heavily around you know those type of situations i mean you work in, reco- in a recovery home so i feel like you may come across it a little bit more than once where you see someone that you care about having to choose that path what kind of advice do you have for someone like um that is witnessing someone throw themselves away to to addiction what kind
2: of advice you have for them it's a good one that's a good question um
0: that you can't be a savior (laughs) Mm -hmm. i mean plain and simple like i think we all get caught up in our emotions like oh if we did that differently or you know if i love them more or if i gave them this resource but the reality is is that once you're in addiction like you're a whole different person. You're taken over by something completely different. Like I've done things in my addiction that this person sitting here right today would never do. Like, um, so I just kind of keep that in mind. And that's what I pass on to people who are like really struggling with that um, is that you can't do anything. Like you can love and support them, but like don't enable them. Don't, you know, mince words, don't get angry. It's not even worth being angry over because they're sick, like, and you have to keep that in
1: mind. 100%, that's one thing I drill in. Like, listen, cause all these, not all these people, but a lot of people do reach out to me about <clears throat> wanting to get clean or sober, like on TikTok and, and stuff. And I mean, even recently, like uh, me and Nathan tried to get someone from there into detox. They got into the detox and they left. And it's, it's just that, They left? They did, they left. And I totally get it. Like, you know, like when I went to detox, I was trying to tell the lady, I don't belong here, girl. I do don't they belong take away the phones here. and shit <laughs> like
2: that whenever you go in there?
1: Yeah, but I mean if you're eighteen, like ultimately that you can just fucking leave. Damn that bitch. And it sucks. It sucks, but it's the reality. I really feel like you have to make your mind up. Right. So like what they do they lock going,
2: you down there or how does it work?
1: I mean they don't well, they don't lock you down, but they do take away your phones, uh, your clothes, everything that you bring with you. Well, this is my experience. Like when I went to CBI, they took away everything. And then they put me into a bed eventually after a few hours and I was detoxing there. And I mean, I tried like convincing the nurses, uh, like, hey, I don't belong here and I need to leave. <laughs> and I mean, I think they do their effort and in, in trying to let you know like, hey, well, I think if you just tough it out for a little bit you'll see the truth that you do belong (laughs) in here, sweetie. It's like, but ultimately, like if you really want to leave, they have to let you leave. Um, And then you get your shit back and all that stuff. Yeah, Um,
2: I I went to one of those things too, but I didn't leave.
1: (laughs) Good, I'm glad you didn't. You definitely belong there. Yeah, well, I
0: was Um, convinced that I couldn't leave. Like I thought I couldn't leave. I didn't know I had a choice. Um. Yeah, I didn't
2: know I couldn't leave either. That's that's. that's
0: <laughs> but I remember afterwards thinking to myself, like, I never want to do this again. Like, I never mm. want to experience this. I never want to sleep on that hard mat. I never want to have to hear this the the psychosis man down the hall pound on the wall mm. calling the nurse a whore. Like, it was just so uncomfortable and like. I am really grateful to the treatment center that saved my life, but I don't want to go back there. Like, that place fucking sucked.
2: Yeah, th- those places do suck, bro. The- I'm an idiot. The second time I went, I I don't know why I went. I, I went and I snuck in Xanax. Oh,
0: my God.
2: <laughs> just so I could Stunning. help me sleep. I was trying to get Stunning off the perks. <laughs> I was Be trying like to get that, off the though. perks. <laughs>
1: And be like that though, Uh, man, the addiction's just a monster. Like, I mean, I the first time I went to detox, I was withdrawing shit in my pants. And that was the first time I've ever been exposed to like, like you gotta keep in mind, I was at my mama's house for such a long time in my little bubble. And then all of a sudden I'm sleeping next to this homeless man almost throwing up on me and like physically feeling like shit. And I was looking at the ceiling. And I was like, I can never go through this again. Mm-hmm. And guess what happened? Bitch, I sure did <laughs> a few more motherfucking times. Uh, Why? Because I didn't take it seriously. And I truly didn't make my mind up. I still had reservations talking about, I can still drink. I could still do a little Coke on the side. A <laughs> <Right. And, and, laughs> little and, and, Coke
2: and on the side? And Shit, shit and that'd be su- nice right now. And as,
1: and as soon as I got <laughs> out, like every time I was after the boys, like I I laugh at myself because I'm always stressing about a dude like no no matter what stage of my life I'm in I'm stressing about some dude my friend one time made fun of me he's like bitch every time I see you you always stressing about heartbroken about some guy it's either but I I will say I elevated (laughs) because I I went from the straight boys Mm -hmm. and then to like a gay and then like it's just been gay up from here right but like (laughs) it's that's <laughs> another damn time <laughs> shit because i got my heart broken by them straight boys for way uh, too motherfucking long they'll do it too and they will and they're fucking assholes too like yeah they're not but like this is
2: too much uh, well because they're straight aren't they
1: i feel they are straight like this dude literally that was my roommate had a whole ass girlfriend and everything and then and you like, guys
2: still did it <laughs>
1: Oh my God. Damn. <laughs> what Sorry. <the> fuck.
2: <laughs> Hold
1: on. Somebody threw this package. <laughs>
2: Did you see how he jumped?
1: <laughs> yeah. Damn. Anyway. Damn. Straight yeah, boy Robin. number five over here. <laughs> Shit. So. <laughs> the ghetto. The ghetto. What are we talking about? <laughs> We're talking about straight boys? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. How
2: really is straight. that? <laughs> how how, the, how does boys? that happen? How, like. Cause you know what I mean? I'm not gay. So I like, I, I just want to know how does that happen right there? How is someone that has straight, they just ask or what?
1: This is why I truly believe that sexuality is a spectrum because of these experiences I've had. Like I myself have dated a girl before Nathan, right? Cause she was, she was bisexual. But what I liked about her is that she fully embraced who I was as a person. Like she didn't care that I was like feminine, but still a boy, like she fucked with that and it made me feel good and like we clicked. So that's what I kind of feel happens, will happen with me and these guys that were straight, right? Like they just genuinely liked me as a person.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And like, I think for a minute there, they grew feelings and wanted to use me as an experiment. And then Like they, they were like, me let realized. me, let me
2: fuck you or suck our dicks, what do you mean?
1: Yeah, shit like that. And, really? Um, yeah that's crazy have you ever had stuff like that tony
0: uh yeah they definitely look at it a lot differently now um yeah i think like what it comes down to is it's a a different kind of power um you know like to have someone just to be absolutely worshipped who doesn't want that like it's a very amazing feeling and so when i look back on what i've done in my personal life um that's how I see it is that it was just a play for power. They never really had feelings for me. Cause you don't do that to someone you have feelings for. Um, You just Mm -hmm. don't treat them that type of way. Like look at the common crackheads. you know, they're, they they hold it down for each other, but you know, I'm being shoved off to the side, like I ain't shit. Um, And so I really had to cope with that idea, but yeah, I mean, I've never like, met someone who didn't want to have sex with me. (laughs) Like it always came (laughs) up at some point. And um, it just comes down to like like what you said, sexuality is a spectrum. People want to experiment or do different things, figure out who they are. Um, It wasn't until like two years ago, I think, that I even considered doing things with a girl. And I had to be extremely shit-faced to do that. But it was just time. I was like, "Well, do I like this or not?"
1: And I didn't <laughs> at all. Ronnie
2: be doing life. it. Ronnie be doing with, without getting shit faced. I <laughs> know. i actually like, I'll try did it in sobriety.
1: <laughs> I just wanted to make sure cause, you know, Damn. I, like I, I just wanted to make sure because I was really feeling this girl, and I'm like, I just got
2: it. I got to make sure. It's Tony still on? Because i oh, there. I lost him.
1: So you still on Tony? Gosh, Okay, so we're talking about. Uh,
2: how Ronnie oh, doesn't need to be shit-faced to eat pussy.
1: Yeah. I <laughs> Try it on, boo. <laughs> yeah. I actually loved it. But I will say, I just um, love, I think what it was for me, it was, like, really about maybe that dynamic of power and, like, just feeling... I, I think what it was for me, t- a lot of it was feeling a sense of masculinity mm-hmm. um, and feeling, like, I don't know, it made me feel proud of myself because I think I carry that still, that like inner homophobia. Yeah. And um, it made me feel good about myself. Even in the relationship I am now, sometimes I catch myself with my partner. Like, don't talk to me like that. <laughs> or like, cause I, sometimes I have trouble with people like bossing me around. Uh, cause I take it really personally. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> my bad.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I. I'm like, I already gotta do it at home. Try to tell me what to do, Cal. Okay, I, I don't need to. I don't need to. Okay. Um, so.
2: No, but you know no, what? Dude. There's a lot of people still out here that are like homophobic, huh?
1: Surprisingly, yeah, they are.
2: Like, well, I, not recently, in I the
0: straight community. I,
1: yeah, not in the straight community either. Like,
2: like I seen it. I have seen. It, I'm like, damn. Like, was, I don't know. I don't. Because maybe I think differently. You know what I mean? Like i feel like people have their preference or whatever you know that's like i don't know i just i'm probably just like narcissistic and just don't care about other i just care about my shit you know (laughs) so i'm not i'm not thinking about other people what they're doing you know but other people really have a problem with Mm -hmm. what other people like you know what i'm saying and it has nothing to do with them you know what i mean like, it, like why do you care you know why do people care like so much about what you're doing or what this person's doing you know what i mean to the point that they're like saying crazy shit you know
1: oh yeah absolutely I and mean, i feel like for the most part in the recovery scene the guys have been more supportive than not i have found um but there are a few that like i get weird faces sometimes when I don't know, or maybe it's just in my head. I don't know, it's this whole thing. Like I still feel a certain type of way if I walk into a meeting by myself and it's like full of these like jockey straight dudes. And like, I just I have a lot to work on clearly. Or them old timers,
0: Lord. Them
1: old timers. <laughs> them old timers. They be, they be just straight up looking raw dogging you with their face. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, damn, chill out. Like it's gonna be all right. Sorry about yeah. it. it. <laughs> Have you never seen a gay person before? Damn, like, <laughs> rah, 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 rah. I'm like
2: oh god. I, I have a question for both of you. Has anybody um like talked shit to you guys for being gay? Like recently? Or when I don't know, like a moment you remember, a moment you remember, they're like, Oh, you you know what I mean? Like
1: Damn, that's a good question.
0: Honey, I done stood in front of the Westboro Baptist Party <laughs> Pride. Like <laughs> I I've, I've done it all with the hate. Um Yeah, definitely. Like not recently. Um, but there have definitely been times when people like wanna wanna come at me with certain types of stuff, but I just don't respond. Like I don't really have time for that either. Like, okay, I'm a faggot. Okay. <laughs> like <laughs> haven't heard that one
2: before. Thanks. <laughs>
1: So, (laughs) mm -mm.
2: what about you Roddy
1: I think the most recent time was I was getting high and I tried applying at this job for uh, like caregiver
2: a job told you something
1: no well this lady worked there (gasps) training with me so she turns around and tells me just so you know you're always going to need a woman to be fulfilled in life really I'm like, bitch, excuse me. Okay. I know.
2: Maybe she was trying to get at you.
1: I feel like that's what was going on. I feel like she low-key had like a crush on me or something. She took it mad personal. Like She had to let me know that that pussy was running the show. I'm like,
2: She was trying to fulfill you. You know what I'm
1: saying? I'm good, girl. Like, I'm all right. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like also at a YG concert once I was working it with the radio station and they were making fun of me. It was like 2016. At the radio like station? This... Yeah, I went with the radio station and like clearly I was just gay. <laughs> um and just like can't. all the guys were like look here, look at that faggy. Like, like Nah, you I, lied. I sw- I put it on my who, life, bro. Who? Like, who I was the, surprised. Who? The well the, like the people attending the concert oh. it was at this club called ocean seven mm-hmm. and like they were being so rude and like i remember like i felt like a little kid again like you know because when i was little like that was one of my biggest things like people were really ruthless with me being gay like in the hood you know like they were mm-hmm. mean and would call me faggot and like i remember the teacher even once like she like i'll never forget she slid the 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 table on me and she was like oh you're not gonna need those like my balls mm. because I'm gay. and then in that same class what some guy like thought he was funny and he gave me a gay book like it was the guy like going into the other guy's pants and he's like you're gonna need this Really? what the fuck, these fucking queens over here are trying to come for me Damn. and now it's all good. Like I fully embrace being gay. I do have some inner homophobia. but that's my own shit, but for the most part, like I don't obviously hide it. <laughs>
2: yeah, that um, sucks. Like that that must like going through that, bro, that must suck. You know what I'm saying? Mhm.
1: Yeah, so I like that Tony touched on that, like that, you know, growing up gay, like we kinda carry a lot of shame. Um Tony, do you think that had any influence on your addiction? Like good question with your identity oh definitely i mean
0: i think that you're. i felt like such an outsider i just felt like no one really knew what i was going through no matter how cliche that sounds like you don't understand the rejection from a man as a man because like you have all of these opportunities for a different life that i don't it's like being white opposed to being black like you're just given these different opportunities right away and it's, like, a really hard world to live in. Um, and, like, yeah, there's, like, times when you're discriminated against. Like like I said, no one's really, like, talked shit about me to my face recently. Um, my uncle, he's younger than me. He works at a Walmart up north. And, you know, I'm just, like, nonchalantly shopping or whatever. And he comes up behind me and he's like, those kids are talking shit about you. And I'm like okay, great, like now I have to think about that and it wasn't even forefront Mm -hmm. on my mind. Um, And that's like the thing I hate the most and that's like what you take with you. You know, that like Mm -hmm. you weren't even doing anything, like you were in your own happy place and like someone was sitting there trying to ruin you or make fun of you or take away from you. And yeah, it's definitely played a big role. Like, I mean, when I'm sitting on the floor crying, cutting myself, I can definitely pull a few of those memories. Because um, you just, like, mm-hmm. it makes you feel really worthless. Um, and you already feel worthless for however however many other things. But, yeah.
1: I appreciate you being so honest about that. <laughs> for that, real. I definitely relate to that. Yeah, it's, it's such a... I don't know. I feel like I still personally carry that uh, shame with me, too. Like, even going to... I don't know like I sometimes it hits me that's why like I being sober has been a little difficult for me in the sense that you know I can't just show up high anywhere anymore like I have to like be comfortable in my skin and and being sober has made me like really just see that in the forefront like even when I'm talking to people in person and I don't know them like I am in my head about being gay and my too like, am I moving my hands too much or like my skin tone? Like there's uh, this shit goes deep. Mm-hmm. This shit hits deep down in my motherfucking core because I'm Mexican, you know, like, like I, I tell Nathan, boy, if you walk into a store and I walk into a store, people are naturally going to just receive you a little differently than me because you're more uh, butch than me and you're white and tall and blue eyes. And then there's my gay ass, uh, <laughs> you know, eyebrows arched all the way back and and mexican
2: but that's how but you feel again, comfortable though right
1: i yeah i do feel well comfortable, then fuck what
2: like. anybody else thinks you know what i'm saying like they're not gonna live your life you know what i mean
1: well clearly i don't give a fuck no more i'm over here shaking my ass on tiktok <laughs> but, you know, some, days, some days are definitely uh different um so i respect tony for sharing on that because that's that's one of those kind of deep topics that we don't really jump into as much. Mm-hmm. Um, r- but r- I'm proud of you, Tony. I will say, I know we're running out of time. Yeah. Know? That's I what I was going to gonna say.
2: say do, do you have any last questions you want to ask? Cause we are running out of time.
1: Proud of you. Right? Um, I just want to say basically how proud of you. I am just getting a little bit more glimpse into, into your past and knowing how much I relate to you and seeing you now. Uh, you know, being the start of this LGBT project, yeah, that's crazy. It's almost like a redemption fucking story. That's amazing, and I see how well spoken you are, because um, you know Nathan uh, gasses you up about <laughs> how you're doing so well at your job, and uh-huh. it's just it's just respect seeing um, seeing you do that. Like, Thank you. You're totally redeeming yourself and, and showing everybody the what the hell you can do. So I guess one question that I do have is. Uh, <laughs> This is my typical question that I always ask. What kind of advice do you have for anyone that is still in the grips of addiction and is still struggling? Um. That there's, I mean,
0: there's definitely hope, um, and I know from like my own experience that like. I never saw light at the end of the tunnel. And it even took a few months in recovery to like really grasp that there was like this whole big world, like this whole big life that I could be living if I just like really, really believed in myself um, and didn't let all of those things like affect me. Like, yeah, I was a whore, yeah, I was a drunk. Yeah, I mean, you've probably seen me out of a garbage can or something. I don't fucking know what drunk <laughs> me did, but um like whatever, that's who I was. That's who I am. And something I tell people all the time is like, you know, you are who you are in this moment. Like, yeah, yesterday doesn't matter. Tomorrow doesn't matter. Like, who who are who you are right now is like who's calling the shots and making the decisions. Um, so for people who are still struggling, I just like, I just wish them the best, and I hope they they want to recover soon instead of you know staying out in that life because it's terrible. I know firsthand. <laughs>
1: Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Because, you know, it'd be a struggle out there for anybody, but you really have to make your mind up. And I, I think some people like because I just think back at myself when I was in the grips of addiction and I really didn't realize and like i did not understand how much of a community there is in recovery and how many resources there is and, and right just how much help there is out there and a judgment-free zone absolutely and i really thought i was the only motherfucking putting pills on my nose okay <laughs> is it, it
2: is out- it is it judgment-free though ronnie because you'll be judging the fuck out of me sometimes <laughs>
1: You know what? It's judgment free <laughs> until you try me, Cal. Okay. Even, there's even clips
2: of you looking at me, you little judgy. Oh, oh my god! Sign he clips of me
1: dogging his ass. It's judgment free for the most part. I'm gonna until post, get,
2: I'm gonna post these you, clips up here. Watch, you'll see.
1: Until you, until you boss me around, okay? So, no, but it's a work in progress. Sobriety has definitely been a journey, and I just love this shit because I get to see another side of people and and how far they've come and and seeing you tony like seeing you work with oxford house and then also take the time to do therapy and help others i mean i've been on the side while while nathan's taking your call and it's always fucking badass to hear you like truly trying to understand someone that's in need of help in that moment right. and i bet that helps you a lot too oh definitely i mean
0: it keeps me humble we all have so many different paths but ultimately we all just kind of want the same thing, which is to be happy and live our lives to the fullest. So, I try to keep that in mind, because you know sometimes it goes gets to your head. Um, but yeah, thank you. <laughs> You're so sweet to well, thank, me. <laughs> thank
2: Thank you for coming on. We are, yeah. I, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast.
1: Yeah, I'm like
0: I said, I'm totally honored.
1: And when you get, and when y'all get that recovery home going, we gonna need you back on. Sounds yeah. so, that, good. So, and hopefully it's in person. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. <laughs>
2: hopefully. I'll bring another bitch
0: hopefully. with me. Some
1: other yappy queen. <laughs> <laughs> bring another nappy queen. We just <laughs> gonna have an episode full of queens. Shit. That's right.
2: But yeah, do yeah, the I outro, Ronnie. You. I'm gonna end it. <clears throat> All right. So that's a wrap, y'all.
1: We had Tony, we had Hakel, we had me, we had Kobe over there and taking a nap. And it's a wrap, baby. So we sober now, baby. We don't do no more drugs (laughs) and no more alcohol. I know that's right. We'll see y'all later.